On today's episode of Hooks and Hoops, episode number 35, we're talking combat sports, first half of the show. I have my guest, professional sports handicapper PT, is in the building. He's breaking down this weekend's upcoming fights, some potential future bouts, and some smart picks, some smart bets to make a little money. If you're in Vegas or if you're one of those online guys, more power to you. PT brings the heat. And then after the intermission, I'm going to be breaking down last week's UFC fights and, of course, this weekend's Bellator and UFC big events. Kane Velasquez is back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am super excited. So let's drop the beat and let's get right into it. Today, we're going to call him PT. He is a professional sports handicapper. He's the owner of Primetime Sports. You can get all his picks at primetimecapper.com. You can hear him on the CapCast, and you can also hear him on the Primetime Angles Radio on 12 Ounce Sports. PT, how are you doing today in a beautiful, lovely, rainy day in Los Angeles? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. Uh, I thank you very much for... Uh inviting me into the show and everything like that, man. I want to send a big shout-out to uh, all the fans and followers and things like that. Um, man, I, there is no me without you. You know, it's been a, a good little journey, but we are continuing. The things are picking up, as you can see, when you uh, peep the Instagram and everything like that. Uh, a lot of things are picking up in the boxing world right now. So, you know, pretty much uh, I can't wait to go ahead and, uh, you know, break down some things I've been seeing and, you know, little inside angles and things like that. That the people aren't, uh, you know, getting to see every single day and things like that. Now, PT, it seems to me like LA is becoming a hotbed for boxing. You had the big event last week, which you were at. You have this week's fight. You got Sean Porter having his fight here next month. You got um, Lomachenko is going to have his fight here next month. It it seems like LA and Vegas. I know you bounced back from LA and Vegas. Uh, Are these the two biggest spots for boxing right now, in your opinion? Um. Yeah, right now, I just feel like boxing's in a really good place. Right. Because um, I know that we have the situation that's going on with the promotional companies. You know, it's almost like a monopoly. You got the big three, mm-hmm. and they're really not doing too much business with each other at this point right now, correct? So pretty much these we have more of these independent, smaller promotions that are able to get more talent to – you know, get talent to these these big to the bigger promotions, so then we can continue to keep having some really great fights. But fights aren't going to be really good until we find a way to where these people can get into the room with each other and not argue. So, you know, that's my my total opinion because we all know that there's there's great fights that can be made right now. You know what I mean? Like you got Sean Porter going against Ugas, but there's so many more at 147 right now that he could fight that that had big names, things of that nature. You would have thought maybe they would have let uh, Thurman fight. Uh, you, I mean, they would have let uh, Sean Porter fight Thurman in a rematch. Right. Since his WC belt, make sure that Thurman can get his belt back intact since he was seen as the star of 147 before he went out with his shoulder injury. You know, so I'm thinking about, but they gave him a tune-up that was kind of a tough tune-up in a sense, too. I know people will laugh and giggle and say, oh, Josito Lopez, but we all have to remember Josito Lopez literally kind of ended Victor Ortiz's uh, career when it comes to being a mainstream boxer. Right. Because he broke his jaw. You know what I mean? And that that was, and he fought him great that night. He looked really good in his fight before to get the fight against um, Thurman and everything. And then he, he landed some pretty convincing clean shots against Thurman. It just was 
he was fighting Thur- he was fighting Thurman that night, and you know, pretty much he had to get a knockout to really win the fight. Sure, or I mean, dominate, and that didn't, that that didn't occur. Yeah, man, you you can never count out the Riverside Rocky. I'm glad he got a good payday. He trains with a with a Robert Garcia. Great, great fighter, man. And not just the any ordinary B side. He gave Thurman a hell of a fight. Of course, that was Thurman's fight to lose. He was the A side on that one. So you, you were right. He had to go for a knockout. Let's talk about last weekend's fight real quick. You were there. It was Grammy's weekend. You were suited and booted, dipped and whipped, taking mm-hmm. pictures with who's who. Gervonta Davis versus Hugo Ruiz. Now, I thought, PT, this fight was not going to go more than three rounds. It ended up being less than three minutes. Okay, Gervonta came out. And he just he he ran through Hugo Ruiz. He made short work of him. Did you did you feel like Hugo Ruiz? Now he is a late he was a late replacement. Uh, Abner Mares was the original opponent. Had to be had a right. bow, bowed out. Uh, he originally said it was an elbow PT, but I believe it was a detached retina. Afterwards, we wished uh, Abner Mares a speedy recovery. This is the second time it's happened to him uh, in terms of the eye injury. Hopefully, he comes back. He steps in the ring, and they they finally have that match. But you were ringside for that fight. What did you think of that match for all that it lasted? And what's next for Javante? Um, what I could see there is everything called for a big, big finish for Javante. You know, he comes out to a thriller. Right. You know, the crowd were absolutely ape shit because, you know, we were all, you know, everybody was anticipating that fight. You know what I mean? But I'm thinking to myself, though, if everybody got to see the fight before that, that kid right there, Mario Barrios, is going to be a big, big time star coming up um, at the 140 ranks and things like that. But let me stick to the topic. Javante came in and it, it, it was electric. He had a lot of people there rooting for him. He had OBJ there. He had Antonio Brown there. You know, he had several celebrities there that were there to root for Javante Davis. And so pretty much the who's who's in boxing was there uh, for this one. You know, it's a Mayweather event as well, too. So everybody wants to pull up, get a glimpse of Floyd. So, sure. you know, Javante went in there and he was utterly, he was very, very confident going in all week. You know, and then the only time I saw him kind of being kind of being a little little worried about things is when he had the issue with the uh, scale and everything like that. From what I was hearing, mm-hmm. they already had a digital scale in place that was the correct scale mm-hmm. that they used for for in California to weigh you out. And they said Javante was coming in at one thirty, one twenty nine, eight mm-hmm. all week. And then when they got to the the weigh, and he came in at one thirty. Point four with his clothes on, and they, you know, they did what they do. He trips down, he goes to one thirty point two. Then we got to wait thirty minutes for him to be um, to get down. He winds up coming in at one twenty nine point eight. Some of us thought that might have been an issue, but you know what? He only had to lose a pound or two. Sure. He came back into the fight, and it seemed like as soon as the bell went ding ding, he couldn't wait to go ahead and just you know, pounce on his opponent. Ruiz was overmatched, and I was fairly shocked by that because Ruiz had a great height advantage, but I think that he went at, and went about it as in a street fight sense, and sure. that's not what you do with Javante Davis. And for anybody who thought that was some somewhat of a th- fixed fight thrown or something like that, I was sitting right there when he got hit with the punch. I said, damn, that was pretty hard. And when he moved two steps and got down on his knee, I looked towards the guy next to me. I said, this fight is over. Yeah. Because he hit him with such he hit him with such a quick and deadly hook that if you blinked you would have missed it. But I was sitting right there ringside and saw the punch live, and it was a very convincing punch to get him out of here. Well, yeah, I mean, not only that, he broke his nose in that first round as well. He broke uh, Ruiz's right. nose, 
And you know, it was such a great setup. He went one, two up high to get, and then he broke, he got through the guard with the, with the beautiful right hook. And once that equal right. equilibrium goes, he didn't want any more of that. And like you said, like like you just said, I think Hugo Ruiz treated it like a street fight. He's known for those first round knockouts, um, but he was he was the taller man, but essentially he was the smaller man because Hugo Ruiz was coming up to face Gervonta Davis. Right. And exactly. I, I heard a right. rumor. I heard a rumor, PT. I don't know if you can confirm or deny that Gervonta was possibly a little under the weather. He he had a lot of sniffles and a lot of nose rubbing during the fighter meetings, and maybe that contributed to him trying to get Ruiz out of there uh, very quickly. It was a cold night. From what I saw, it seems like it was a, it was an outdoor fight in February is not a, is not a great idea, it's, even if it's in Southern California. Can you attest to any of that stuff? Okay, well, you know, it seemed like he was it seemed like that a little bit. He was real bundled up and everything like that. But I never had any inkling in my eye thinking that it was he, he was he was he was sick or anything like that. I just think that it was more nerves of anything because he's had such a long layoff, right? And he was there was nothing wrong with him. And he was just really anxious. That's all it is. He's a very uh, soft-spoken guy. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, he chooses. He de- he doesn't talk as much as, as you would want the uh, guy who's a superstar in boxing to talk. He's not going to talk like how Floyd talks and things like that. He's still almost like a child. You know what I mean? So you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to 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 um, take in for him at this point. So I think that it's he's still just marveled by. The, the success that he's, he came across, you know, because a few years ago he was just a kid boxing in, in a gym in Baltimore right. winning pro fights, and then next thing you know, Floyd walks into the room and your whole life changes. So, you know, and he was with Broner first, but Broner was too busy doing Broner's career. Right. So he didn't really have time to focus in on a young prospect like Gervonta. Now, Floyd goes ahead and gets Leonard Ellerby, a guy who's from D.C., to go ahead and manage and take care of Gervonta. And now Gervonta's in a good spot. And the only reason why Gervonta wasn't able to get the fights is because Gervonta was doing a lot of things from what I was hearing that he even admitted to himself he was getting into a little bit of trouble. You know what I mean? And so it's it's hard to invest in somebody if they're if they're not going to pay attention to the task at hand. So he had to sit out. He had to learn a lesson, and he was really anxious to go ahead and impress that crowd. And he went ahead and did so because at the end of the night, everybody was like, "Bring him Loma." You know, this is the best fighter right. at 130. La 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 la. And I'm just telling myself it's time to move up to 135, 140 because if you are the superstar. You are the, you know, if, if you got the Tyson capability, you can take out anybody. So that's my opinion on that situation is that they need to set him up with a good fight to start off next. And what I'm hearing right now is they're going to try to get Gervonta in the ring in May. Now they're joking around saying that they're going to have him fight around. I, they, I don't know if it's a joke or not, but they put it in print that he would be fighting the same guy that Floyd fought. Tension, huh? The, the, rise, the risen. But I think that's more of a that's more of a you know teaser and things like sure. that. Boy, having a little bit of fun. But if it does happen, Javante will be paid very nicely. Exactly, man. He goes over to Japan, fights Tension Nasukawa for a couple rounds exhibition, gets his name out there overseas. It's a win win for everybody. Yeah, I totally agree. I wish Javante would fight Andrew Concio. He fought down the street at Fantasy Springs this week and pulled off a crazy ten to one upset to win a to win a featherweight belt as well. I think Tank's next fight will be in July, and I agree with you. I'd love for him to move up and uh, and face bigger, badder competition. Um, in your opinion, before we move on, 
I think the next big stars out of the Mayweather promotion is Gervonta Davis and David, Devin Haney. I think those guys are going to be the future in the Mayweather promotion stable. Is there anybody else you see that, that it can make some noise or to be a big pay-per-view star coming out of that camp? From what I'm seeing right now is they are developing a lot of uh, a lot of really good boxers and everything. And from what I'm seeing, I think that you got it right on top of the head on who the stars of who the stars of Mayweather Promotions are because it seems like that they got some guys that are a little rough around the edges mm-hmm. a little bit. You know what I mean? They're good, but it seems like when the lights come on, they get a little nervous. You know what I mean? Like sure. um, uh, Marcus Lee from Sacramento, he's a big, he was a big-time prospect. I don't know. This fight was not televised, but you might have been able to see it on the stream. Mm-hmm. It was uh, He was fighting against Lee Davis. This was a fight. Lee and Davis, that's, that's the, that was the two fighters. Um, Lee was from is from Sacramento. Davis is from Oakland. So wow. it wound up being being a fight that's not your ordinary fight. And I was trying to get people to understand this is a battle of the base, so it's going to automatically be a street fight. It's a bravado fight. Sure, you know what I mean. Hey, I'm from it, and it, I said as we were saying in the hood, it's a turf battle. Yeah, you know I mean, and right. I said, well, you got two light skinned guys, so they must be fighting <laughs> over the girl. So with Scarlett, uh, they had a great, they had uh, some great. You know, leading up to it at the way, and they went at it very, very extensively. Then they went at it in the ring, and I felt like, and they had a lot of prospects on Lee because, you know, he sparred with Floyd, did a great job against him as preparing him for Pacquiao, and it didn't wind up being the way that they wanted it to be. I was talking to his team afterwards. They're about to um, switch his whole camp up and everything like that, to, you know, get him a different trainer, things of that nature. But I always say that you guys just have to understand what, happened was is that he got into a bravado match and it happens you can't get mad at the trainers and everything about that the fighter is is, once you get in the square circle the fighter's gonna make all the decisions on his own and that's what i'm trying to get people to really understand you guys can't get so mad at the coaches the coach can only do so so much you know what i mean and once he gets you into the square circle it's up to you to win the fight and fight smart you know what it what it takes to to win the fight, but if you want to get to somewhat of a street fight, a slug it out, mm-hmm. these things will occur to where it gives everybody a, a perception of where well maybe he's just a middling guy, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all so. all the training, all the game plans. I mean, once the ego comes in and you get hit with that first punch by a guy across the bay, nah, it's nah, it's it's on like Donkey Kong. Right. Exactly. And it, and I'm thinking to myself, what Mayweather Promotions needs right now is they need a big-time heavyweight, because you have to understand, Wilder's with Al Heyman, you know what I mean? And right. Wilder has his own little brand, so he's under Premier. And when you say Al Heyman, you think Mayweather, da 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 But no, it's, he's under Al Heyman. Mayweather needs to get a big-time heavyweight, and that could be the big star, because what people have to understand is the heavyweight division is slowly rising back out of the ashes. We got a big three that are really good. We got Wilder, we got Josh, and we got Fury. And right. then we got others outside of that are very good as well, too. A lot of people can't sleep on the fact that Big Baby Miller is a very, very, very tough opponent for Anthony Joshua. Yeah, what do you think about that fight? What do you think about that in. fight? Because that's he came Joshua came out as a 6-1 to one favorite immediately out of the sports book. Both guys are undefeated. And, you know, I want to get your thoughts on that fight real quick because that fight was just announced. Right. Well... I'm excited about it. I plan on attending the fight as well, too. I was at Canelo uh, Rocky mm-hmm. at the Garden my first time in New York City. It was an absolute great experience. But things moved a lot quickly, uh, real quickly for me. So I want to give New York a second run and make it kind of see the city a little bit more. So 
my plan is to get back there for that fight because I'm excited because I think the number one the the number one heavyweight in the world is finally coming over to the U.S. Right. He's making a whole lot of money. He's already box office as is. He got he got everything. He got the whole look of what you would see as a heavyweight champion. I just think that coming to New York City, fighting in the Garden for his U.S. debut is absolutely just just incredible. And then he fights a guy from New York City who right. is New York City, a guy from Brooklyn and, and uh, Big Baby Miller. So it totally makes sense to fight Miller at this point. And I just really think that he's actually taking on a tougher opponent than most think. And you have to understand, Big Baby Miller has been avoided by a lot of heavyweights as well, too. Guys that are, you know, trying to get their records good and make sure they're looking good for the Joshua Wilder Fury fight. Right. But Big Baby Miller just goes out there, whoever you throw out there to him, you know, piranha me. So I'm saying to myself, this is, but they are putting him in a David to a Chris Areola situation okay. right now, in my opinion. You know what I mean? And he has to figure out a way to where he he's going to have to back up a lot of that talk because he's already talking a whole lot of uh, smack. I love it. This, you know what I mean? I, and I love it because he's going to sell this fight. It's going to be on the zone. Yep. And pretty much it's going to be a – this fight is going to be epic. And I think that this is the heavyweight fight that a lot of us have been waiting for in the talking trash-wise. Fury Wilder, they, they went back at it. But, you know, Fury's an agitator. Sure. And, you know, Wilder is going to pounce on that because Wilder is really emotional. You know what I mean? Yes. And he, he, he's, he's very spirited. You know, he's very proud. Yes. So he was going. So that that kind of they 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 mesh very well together. But Big Baby Miller is coming in here with the Riddick Bow, uh, my you know Riddick Bow type mentality. I'm from Brooklyn, and you know you don't impress me, English muffin. You know, da, 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 you know all that good stuff. He said, "Man, he said I'm about to turn this boy into Kool Aid." I'm like, <laughs> "Wow, dude, this, this guy is very very serious about this." And Big Baby Miller could shock the world. That's the whole thing, and that's what a lot of people that's, – that's the intrigue of this fight. This is exactly what heavyweight boxing is about. This is exactly what boxing is about. And, see, the only person that's, that has the power to make these super fights at this point right now is Eddie Hearn and sure. Frank Warren because they like one thing. And you know what that is? Big fights or money? Money. Okay. <laughs> money. Money. That's it. They know the money that you can make. Get, get, off, get, get off your – Get off your whatever, but I don't want to speak on things because I'm very close to both sides. You sure. know what I mean? Only one that I don't have an affiliation with is top rank at this moment. So, and pretty much the thing is, I try to play very cool. I, I love what both sides are doing for boxing and everything yes. like that. And I love what top rank is doing for boxing. I just want them to come together so we can get these great fights and everything like that. But Crawford Arrow Spence has to happen. Yes, please. You know and I'm saying to myself, I just was in Houston at the Magia Inouye fight. Yes. I said, Jaime Magia and Jared Hurd is a hell of a unification bout at this point. WBO champion versus uh, the IBF, IBO, WBA, you know, because pretty much it's strap season for um, Hurd at 154. Yes. That would be an excellent fight. You know what I mean? And then you just start going down the line of excellent fights that can happen. But you have to get certain people out the way, you know. Canelo would have been fought Charlo if, you know, the powers that be, you know, if if, if it wasn't against this 
sure. You know what I mean? That would be a great fight in itself as well. But there's a lot of people right now at 168, Canelo can fight, and it's very entertaining. And we have to know one thing about Canelo is do not take him for granted. Right now, in all actuality, he is the face of boxing. And a lot of people will argue and they can say what they want. But you look at Canelo's resume. Who hasn't he fought? I mean, he's he's fought, he's fought every big name. He's fought Golovkin twice. He's fought Mayweather. He has does anybody. He fought Lara. I mean, he fought anybody anybody that's dangerous that consider Canelo uh, Canelo considered dangerous. He's fought him, and I agree. I agree with you, PT. He's the only fighter right now that could probably sell out the new Raiders Arena. He and no matter right. where he goes, he's going to sell out the arena. Right now, picture this: you're in the Garden, third round knockout. This whole place is shaking. The Garden was shaking after Canelo won the fight. You know, usually after the other fights, I bet you usually after fights, people just go home, they leave, and yep. some are angry, some are happy. Yep. You know what I mean? But Canelo, they stuck around until he left the ring. That's and then incredible. we go outside, it was like, no no offense, I love, my, I love my Mexicans, but it was like the Mexican Day Parade outside on 33rd Street, right yeah. outside the Garden. You would think you it was a I mean? single to mile fight. Nuts. Right. It was absolutely insane. And you got Cesar Chavez walking down the street taking pictures with everybody. You know what I mean? It was nuts after that fight, man. It was absolutely insane. And then the the the, the skeptics, oh, well, they look fixed to me. No, Canelo is a chiseled monster. Yes. If you see him without his shirt on, man, this guy is, absolutely, is, 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 is very, very, very cut up. And so him, and he has became a master of body shots. And so what he did yes, was he was yes. just hitting him right on top of that liver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go ahead and take Canelo body shot and tell me if it hurts or not. You, you think that uh, that trilogy is going to happen eventually with, with Gennady and Canelo? From, from, it's pretty much the right is on the wall. He just signed a two-fight deal with the zone. He's going to take on a, a tune-up fight, and I think that they'll set this fight up for September. Probably going to be boo-boo, right? Huh? Is it going to be? Oh, not boo. Will it be boo boo? You think the tuna fight? I think Andretti would be too tough of a fight for Golovkin at this point, especially coming off that the the loss to you know because he hasn't fought anybody since he fought uh, Canelo, right? Correct. Right. So he's coming off of a layoff, right? And now he's a, a but a, but a ultra. I know you got Triple G fans here, and they're gonna probably go crazy on me. But he may have regressed since he took that layoff. You got to understand he's older. Yes. He's in his mid-30s. So him losing to Canelo, it might not be an emotional, physical thing. But the thing is, coming back from that, you're going to have to really see if he's going to still be that Triple G that, yeah. that, that we all know and love. Because the thing is, now Triple G's actual flaws have been exposed. Right. Now, if you go out there and actually box him and counter him, I'm not going to say you can knock him out, but you could probably dominate him if you're a skilled boxer. I'm in that camp, PT. That- I'm in that camp because he's already fought him twice. Canelo's already fought him twice. That wear and tear, the age, all those rounds, that pounding. I, I-, I would even put money on Canelo finishing Golovkin in the third fight. It's I think it- I think that's a realistic possibility, especially with the way Canelo is just a big, thick dude. right? He's fought at 168. He'll get down to 160, I think, with that body work and be able to take the shots and just walk through everything like he did in the second fight. I, would, I I could see Canelo finishing Golovkin. And I just think, and they know that if they make this fight, it's all about the dollars. Yes. And people do want to get the third one because there's Triple G fans out there that felt like he won the first two fights. Me, in my opinion, I still have my card. I keep telling everybody in the first fight, I had 
uh, Golovkin up around after we left the ninth round. But once we got to the 10th through 12, mm-hmm. I gave those three rounds to Canelo that gave him the deciding number. I had the same card as one of the other uh, judges, 115-113, because yes. I felt that, you know, when we got to the swing rounds, there was a round in the middle that Canelo won. You know, we go to, you know, you go one, two, three, Canelo won the first two out of three. Then, you know, he get uh, Triple G gets the next two out of three. Then Triple G, you know, pretty much kind of takes over the fight a little bit. He gets – I gave Canelo seven. He got eight and nine. But then once we got to um, round ten, I felt like Canelo knew exactly what to do, and Triple G was just pining for that knockout. Right. But Canelo said, let me go ahead and finish the fight on points. He went back into almost an amateur mind state and started countering and started hitting him with the more convincing shots. He hit Triple G with a shot so hard that it looked like his head was going to fly off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And people still said, well, I see what kid. And just because Canelo boxed and moved, they felt like he was running. Even Triple G said, why was he running from me? Because nobody is that stupid to just go in and say, let's have a street fight. This is a boxing match. Right. And, you know, and and you look bad when you when you're saying – come in here and fight me like that because the thing is it's almost like you're, you're being a barbaric fighter right there and that's why I've never been that entertained by Triple G. I always felt like they had makeshift people for him to have him fight. The only time he ever had a tough fight was between Jacobs yep. and with Canelo. That's it. And Jacobs because Jacobs is a skilled boxer and Jacobs beat like third stage cancer. So yes. him going in the fight, you, whatever you're going to hit him with is not going to hurt him. Because he's already been through absolute pain. Yeah, I, can, I can't wait. Jacobs and Canelo are facing off in Cinco de Mayo. As you said, heavyweights are popping. You got Luis Ortiz. He's fighting in March. You got, uh, I believe, Dominic Brazil and Dillian White is going to fight for a WBC interim title. Heavyweight, heavyweight is popping. All these big fights are popping. I want to get you back on I want to get you back on this Saturday's fights, PT. I know we got a lot to talk about, but I want to talk about this Saturday's fights. You got Leo Santa Cruz for the fifth time. Fighting back in Los Angeles, he's fighting Rafael Rivera, who you know whose only two losses are uh, to undefeated fighters that went the distance. Right? He's replacing Miguel Flores, but you can make a case that Rafael Rivera is a tougher opponent than Miguel Flores. Santa Cruz already avenged his only loss to Carl Frampton. Uh, however, he's only fought once since 2018. Uh, uh, yeah, he fought Mars in that unanimous decision rematch, so he's coming off a little bit of layoff. The oddsmakers have minus ten thousand right now for Santa Cruz over Rivera. What what what, what do you think of this fight? Well, you know, uh, being at the uh, media workout yesterday, I do have a, a interview with um, Rivera. We I w- was a part of the pressure as well too. I didn't ask him a question, but I was did videotape it. Okay. And from what he said, he feels like he's the quicker fighter here, mm-hmm. and that he's he's well prepared for what's going to occur because. He's had four weeks to prepare for uh, Santa Cruz instead of it being the situation where, you know, Hugo Ruiz was called in a week and a half before the fight. Sure. And so it's a different type of situation, and it's a different weight class. And Rivera knows that this that these opportunities don't come along every day. So be ready for a guy that's going to go out there and give his absolute all. That's all I can say about Rafael Rivera, and I think that they're overselling the odds a little bit on Santa Cruz. This fight might be a little bit closer than most think. I uh, I'm picking Santa Cruz by a decision. What do you? What do you? What's your What's your pick? Uh, I have Santa Cruz winning in a unanimous decision. Yeah. But I would say the only way Rivera really wins this fight is, is if he knocks him out, right? Or if he knocks him down a few times. 
or if he absolutely outboxes him. Because the thing is, when it comes to these type of fights, the judges do always kind of call it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any issues on giving who's the winner going to be in this fight. And there's not that. And, you know, it's on Fox, too. So sometimes, you know, Fox has the element of love, the element of surprise. Come on, we had Charlo, who was supposed to be absolutely beat Tony Robinson, right? Yes. Tony Robinson went in there and beat him, decisioned him, and a lot of people felt the decision was correct. Only person that didn't feel like it was correct was people that loved Charlo and Charlo himself. But at the end of the day, the more convincing, harder shots did come from Robinson. (laughs) So, in my opinion, I think that you cannot sleep on who the opponent is, Mm -hmm. but I think at the end of the day, though, it should be a Santa Cruz win. And then let's let's just assume Santa Cruz gets by but uh, gets by Rivera. Who's next for him? You got Gary Russell Jr. out there for a, a unification title bout. Carl Frampton, the rubber match. You got Warrington hanging out in the UK. I believe he's defending his IBF strap uh, coming up in the next few months in England. Where do you see with the promotions and all that? What does Leo Santa Cruz want to do the rest of the year, in your opinion? I would think that Leo would probably want to do unification, but maybe Leo might be thinking about moving up. You know what I mean? I would think that, honestly, right now, if you don't move Javante up uh, from 130, it would be a great fight with Javante Davis. Yes. At some, out here in California, maybe you could get the staple center for this for that bad boy. You know what I mean? And um, it could be a good, good, good fight. And I know it could be something that's on Showtime or possibly a Showtime pay-per-view because, you know, it's a smaller pay-per-view, but, you know, you, you charge the people a little bit uh, lesser – Lesser dollars, I know that they will pay for it because this is a fight that the fans would want, you know, in, in my opinion. But I would think so. But let's just keep them in featherweight. I would, I would say the Gary Russell unification bout could happen, mm-hmm. but it's it's all about the uh, powers that be. It all depends on the dollars and how they can go ahead and sell this fight. Right. Gary Russell does have a good resume. At one point, he was one of the higher. He was one a person that. Uh, people thought very highly of they still do, but you know after losing the Loma the way he did, you know pretty much a lot of people were just like you know Gary Russell's really good, but they also credit that Loma's such a superb boxer, so that's why they don't use that as a as a as a uh, knock too much on Gary Russell. And Gary Russell was a little bit unprepared because he didn't get getting enough rounds. That's why a lot of guys who are anxious to fight the the elite guys who are younger. That's why these situations happen when they actually fight. You know what I mean? Where they go out there and get absolutely dominated because you still need some more rounds. You still need some more wisdom. You still need to, to learn some, some, some new things. you got to get to know that boxer a little bit better. That's why some of these fights take forever to get made because sometimes these guys just really got to figure it out. If you're if the guy is five years older than you mm-hmm. and you're fighting, he's fighting, and then you guys meet up three years down the road, that's fine because then at the end of the day, Savvy back going against the up and coming guy, and you're ready for the fight. But when you jump in there, you're 21 and 0, and you've knocked out 19 whatever guys, and yeah. then you knock out that one guy that gets you to the championship fight. They chop it at the bit. They can't wait. It's almost like the Brady Belichick uh, thinking, oh, he's young, he's precocious. We'll we'll win this one easily because the thing is, we can get to his head quick. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I just think that. Sometimes with some boxers, too, it's too much too quickly. And that's why they crash and burn so fast as well, too. That's why I want some of these guys, take your time. It's all right. You're 21, 22 years old. You don't need to be the, the – uh, you don't need to worry about championships if they haven't came came around. Yep. You know, just get your, get your fights in, get your time in, 
And then when you're ready to be a champion, you're going to be a champion. Yeah, they got a, they got another seven, eight years of prime of prime career to 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 make mm-hmm. their mark and to win multi multiple titles, multiple weight classes, all that great stuff. Let's talk the right. let's talk the quick let's talk the co-main event real quick because okay. Omar Figueroa, undefeated fighter, taking on John Molina in the co-main event. John Molina's fought the who's who. He's fought everybody in, in that division. He is he is the underdog. But you spent some time with him at his training camp. What did you see, and what was the vibe coming out of the John Molina camp? Big, big confidence. John is a savvy vet, and John loves the under relishes the underdog role, and he is looking real. He's looking forward to fight. He's looking forward to this fight. He looked really sharp when I was saw him in training and everything like that, and he's very, very positive at this moment in time. And he has, and he's he's in control, and he's very comfortable. You know what I mean when it comes to knowing his his ring generalship going into this fight, knowing that he 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 is the more experienced fighter, and he's had a bit of a layoff, but that's because he's been, you know, pretty much waiting yep. to be called up. You know what I mean? But he stays in shape, and he's constantly in the gym, and he's actually a very big ad ad advocate to you know making sure that you're training properly like john goes about it he's training properly he's not worried about having the the garbage bag on trying to lose weight he's going to come into the fight and he's going to be on weight he's going to be ready to go and he has some things tricks up the sleeve for omar figaro who's coming off a 19 month layoff the guy hasn't almost fought in two years right he's, he's had some shoulder issues some personal issues. I don't want to go get into that man's demons or anything like sure. that. But from my perspective, I have an interview with him as well, too. I haven't uploaded it yet. Um, simply because I feel like his spirit's not into it. And I know that if people are listening to me right now and things like that, they like, damn, that's kind of, you know. Bold yeah, that's say, heavy but, right there, PT. Know, Huh? That's heavy right there that his spirit's not into it. Right. Right. Like, I asked him, I said, so if you're successful after this fight, how do you feel about, you know, getting yourself a championship shot because you're 27 and 0, 23 mm-hmm. knockouts? I would think that you got the resume now to this would be somewhat of a tune up. Then that gets you to a good 140, you know, WBA matchup, something of that nature, where a guy thinks that you might be able to take advantage of you, then you could probably shock the world. But no, he said, nah, I'm more about just getting into the ring, getting making sure I'm back in good shape and then, you know, just getting back into the ring and just being able to, you know, just continue to be successful. Right. And I'm just like, well, you know, most guys in your position, in my opinion, would be thinking, okay, John Molina is a great tune-up. Boom, they'll give me a championship fight right after this because it was on the way. Right. And And any fighter would love to, any champion at his division would love to take that fight simply because they know he's coming off a long layoff, then say he's successful against Molina, then they feel like they got somebody that's kind of, you know, right for the picking, right? right? But then you can shock the world, get yourself a title. He's not even thinking about that. He's more thinking about, well, hopefully I can just go in here and have a good fight. You know what I mean? I, and you can't go in there with that mentality against John Molina, in my opinion. I think John is actually going to really, really dance circles around him. And that's not because I was at his camp that – all that good stuff. I just read body language, and it's just John came in. He was he was energized. He was ready to roll. He had the Cobra Kai uh, 
outfit on and everything, and he was he's ready to roll. Omar comes in, he got the, you didn't even know it was him. He got on a beanie, you know. He's just right. over there, just lightly shadow boxing. He sits down, and it's almost like, well, damn, another one of these pressures, man. I'm getting tired of talking about this. And John, you know John I mean? is so John is such a seasoned veteran. Like I said before, I mean he's fought the who's who in his division. This is this is nothing. Right. Not, nothing's going to surprise him. Nothing. The big lights aren't going to shock him. Like he's going to come in fully focused, as you said. I think it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be um, a lot closer than people think. Uh, if you, if you want to make a prediction, you can. I'm not going to hold you to it because I know you have some you have some connections with both sides. But uh, I think it's going to be a great fight. It's a lot closer than what the odds makers have it. I I'll give you my I give you my dead honest opinion. Go to the window and bet John Molina, and bet him to knock him out too. Wow, there you go. There's your hot yeah. tip. You have to go to Primetime Capper or, or hear him on the Primetime Angles Radio on 12 on Sports to get that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, or you can just go on the Twitter, follow me at PopDBIC. I'll throw it on up there for you. Um, not a problem at all. I will um, be giving these guys out. You know, I'm going to go throw out some bets for the main event and everything like that. But usually I like to just watch the fight yes. and get my get, and get a good opinion of the fight because – you know, I like to be on equal footing and everything like that. And when you're doing work with the media, you don't want to look too one-sided when you're doing these things. You know what I mean? You right. want to give a fair shake. That's what's wrong with boxing now. We have too many reporters and media folks that are so one-sided about people. Right. You know, like the love affair Max Kellerman had with Triple G. And the constant badgering and hate that he had for Floyd Mayweather as he was going to fight Manny Pacquiao. Right. And then when we get to the fight, it was almost like a girlfriend being like, damn, I miss me some Floyd. Once we got to the seventh and eighth round, oh, my goodness, man, this is just exactly what, what everybody <laughs> said it was going to be. Man. I, yeah, yeah, there's, there's I some. Like, I don't like that type of shit. Like, where, okay, he was your boy. Just keep being one-sided. Right. You know what I mean? Don't, you know, or just be fair. Just be fair for both sides. Both sides have a strength. Both sides have a weakness. Try to capitalize on that, but don't be one-sided. That's my whole thing. And and that gives boxing fans a bad perception because now you got boxing fans that are literally sitting in chat boards arguing with each other all day long because they got one side that loves this side and they got another side that loves this side instead of the reporters just being equally right down the line and giving everybody a better idea how that fight can how this fight can turn out. There's a big conference, a big press conference going on this weekend. Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia. Fox is all in on this fight. It's a pay-per-view fight. Fox is going to be streaming this press conference live on Big Fox. They're all, I, I love the support boxing is getting from all the networks. This is a big fight. Mikey Garcia is moving up two weight classes to face Errol Spence. What are your quick thoughts on, the, on, the, on this fight going down in the heart of Texas, March 16th? In my honest opinion, though, this is going to be the absolute best fight at 147 this, that, that they can offer this year. Okay. Because Mikey Garcia is an undefeated uh, undefeated boxer coming in. He's been a world titleist, everything, 39-0. So he does have a little bit of the experience uh, tip on his side. Errol Spence is the next big star in boxing, if if not already. Errol Spence is absolutely, is absolute, like, the if you go into a lab and create a boxer, you come out with Errol Spence at 147 and I just feel like his ring generalship is just so good and you can't say Harold hasn't fought anybody because he has that's the difference you know right. going over going overseas and beat uh Kel Brook and Kel Brook absolutely dominated Sean Porter he went in there and broke Kel Brook's eye yep so I'm saying 
Errol Spence is a bad, bad man, and this is a defining moment match for him. Same thing goes for Mikey Garcia. So it's a big, big deal. And at this point right now, I can't say who I would say could win the fight, but I would say one thing. You could go to the window right now and just better draw. How about that? Wow. They... Draw real quick, cause that's some plus money for you right there. And maybe you could be the person that, that's, um, you know, smarter than the rest uh, well before the fight. But all in all, I have a good prediction for the fight as we lead more into the fight. Sure. And I start seeing more actions and things like that. And if everything works out to where approvals and things are in place, I'll be able to get an even better idea once we get the fight week. Yeah, it's crazy. I've been following the line a little bit, and it keeps sliding down. I mean, it started like at four and a half to one uh, for, for Errol Spence, and it's gotten down about three in some books. So it's people are thinking Mikey Garcia is going to be in there for a fight. I'm definitely going to take that draw. I'm going to take that ticket for a draw like I should have done for Fury and Wilder. PT, thank you so much today for your time. We covered so many topics. You gave me a lot more time than I expected. I really appreciate your time today. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Where can they listen to you? Where can they get your information? Where can they hear your picks and your expert analysis on combat sports, college, basketball, NBA, all that great stuff? Thursday through Monday, live, 7 p.m. Pacific time. That's going to be the primetime Angles radio show on 12-ounce sports radio. And I usually have uh, my man from East Coast Sports Investors in there with me, Jeff Dawson, the founder of East Coast Sports Investors. He's another big professional handicapper who actually runs the service as well, too. And then I also have my man, Philly Pete, that comes in as well, too, who gives us all the great angles on Philly teams and things like that. And he keeps all my hockey fans in in tune on, you know, sharp bets and things like that. But yep. you can catch all of the primetime angles on 12-ounce sports radio. But you can go ahead and type in 12-ounce sports radio on the TuneIn app at 7 p.m. And my show should be running right there for you guys on the spot. And then you guys can follow me on Twitter. That's where you guys will get a, a lot of exclusive interviews, things like that. Um, and you guys will get my famous bets list as well, too. That is a bets list that I make out for the public on a daily basis uh, for college basketball. And when college football is in play, we also have one for that one as well, too. You guys be on the lookout for also for my NBA Super High Five. That's a daily parlay that I do put out um, as well, too. I do think about the smaller players, okay? There's the guys that bet 10 20 bucks and they want to go ahead and make three, $400. They got to play parlays. So there I, I'm, I'm right there for you. So don't worry about that. I'm a, I can help the big better. I can help the small better. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to see you cash that ticket. And um, we got the um, Instagram, the uh, DBIC wave underscore. So you guys just spell Ted DBIC. The DBIC is not hard. And then you guys put wave and there's underscore. And that's where you guys can catch all my good pictures and my little interviews and blurts and things like that. And um, pretty much um, you guys – and the Twitter handle will be this. It's going to be at PopDBIC. You guys can also follow the other, uh, the show Twitter for CapCast as well, too. It's at CapCast. Then you guys can, if you want to become an uh, exclusive client, you can hit me on the DM at Twitter or reply up under one of my best lists or something like that. But the best way to go is to go to the website, com. Go to subscriptions, and then you guys can subscribe to be a client. And right now I'm offering the whole year for a very low um, amount and everything like that compared to the other uh, other guys in the industry and everything like that. And I'm proving this has been happening for the last five years. So you guys can look me up. There is I am one of the most credible cappers in the world. So you guys make sure to tune in 
because I'm always going to get you, and I love the dog. So always peep for my dog of the day on primetimecapital.com as well, too. That's what I hand out on a daily basis. It hasn't been going very well as of late, but we can get that bad boy rolling the right way. Just got to go ahead, sit down, focus in a little bit more, and we're good to go. There it is, folks. Make sure to, to check out all of PT's links. And you guys are going to have to follow me over to the Primetime Capper because I'm going to do some small bets and some big bets. we got big fights coming up, March Madness, NBA playoffs. Of course, you can't forget hockey, I want, uh, baseball. All this good stuff is coming up. Once again, thank you, PT. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, welcome to the intermission I want to thank everybody for listening here on Hooks and Hoops with your boy, Alex Fernandez. Make sure to subscribe here on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, as well as YouTube and Instagram to get all the latest and greatest NBA, boxing, MMA, UFC, heck, even some WWE content with WrestleMania coming up. I really appreciate all the support. Thank you guys for rating and reviewing Now let's get to the UFC talk because uh, we got the UFC on Sunday and, of course, Bellator on Saturday. Oh, baby, what a weekend of fights we have lined up. First, let me talk about the Adesanya-Anderson Silva fight. It was like a Street Fighter 2 sequence. All All they needed was the music, okay? All you needed was the music, Adesanya won the fight. One judge gave Anderson Silva the second round, I believe, but 30 27 across the board. That's what I had it. Um, Anderson Silva's hilarious. His uh, deflecting the bees technique is awesome. Both of these guys just stood in front of each other um, doing lollygagging. They were just funny. It was it was an interesting fight to see, folks. Um, it wasn't like a like a bang him out, Gilbert Melendez, Diego Sanchez kind of fight, but it was a very technical, smart fight, which ended up being the main event because Robert Whitaker had to pull out due to a hernia issue. His guts were hanging out of his stomach, apparently, according to Dana White. No bueno. That led to Kelvin Gastelum walking around with Henry Cejudo's belt. And look, I understand why Henry Cejudo was walking around with the belt. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't want to lose that title shot. If Israel Adesanya kicked Anderson Silva's head off, that's all everybody would have been talking about. All the casuals tuned in to watch Anderson. All the casuals know, I mean, all the hardcores rather know Adesanya. It would have led straight to a title shot for Israel Adesanya. And now Gaslam, although he is the common denominator, he may get squeezed out. This is not the first time we've seen somebody get squeezed out of the title picture. Ask Dustin Poirier, ask Tony Ferguson, ask uh, Colby Covington if you want to get crazy with it. But I respect what Kelvin is doing. He has to do that. He's got to keep his name relevant. He's got to stay in the conversation for that middleweight title. Hopefully, Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum can have their fight June 8th in Chicago. From what I'm reading, Robert Whitaker will be healthy enough to face Kelvin Gastelum. And then after that, we can have Israel Adesanya versus the winner. I'm not sure if Adesanya deserves it. He's still number six, and I'd love him to fight other guys. If he could fight the winner of Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero, I am super down for that. But I wouldn't be mad if the style bender got the title fight. Middleweight is heating up, but hopefully by the summer we have uh, some clarity in the division. Uh, no interim titles, hopefully, and we have a uh, undisputed middleweight champion. Bobby Knuckles. Man, he he really wanted that fight in Australia. I wanted to see him fight in Australia. He deserved it, but he was already out, what, for 12 months? And now he's out for an additional three. Come on, man. We we, we got it. We got to see Robert Whitaker back in the octagon. I know it's not his fault. He's just an awesome fighter to watch. Tons of heart. Great right hand. Can't wait to see him and Gaslam uh, go back at it this summer. Back to uh, Adesanya and Anderson Silva. We already talked about Adesanya. 
That we already know what his future is. He's already calling people out. He's doing his his, his stance. His stance is very powerful, ladies and gentlemen. If you see his side stance, it's pretty funny. Adesanya versus Romero uh, Costa winner, in my opinion. Chris Weidman's kind of in no man's land. I don't want to see Adesanya and Chris Weidman. I'd rather see Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman if they're going to make a fight. For Anderson Silva, heck, he can fight anybody. He's got all. He's got. The, he's bigger than the the, the title. He could fight anybody. I heard he wants to fight Nick Diaz. That'd be hilarious. In Brazil, I'd pay good money to see Nick versus Anderson in Brazil. And it would definitely be a fun fight. Anderson Silva versus Connor is something I don't know will happen. I don't see what weight they meet at. I don't know if Anderson can come down to 170 and they and Connor uh, balloon back up to 1 to 170 and make that welterweight fight happen. Would I watch it? Absolutely. I think it'd be an intriguing fight to see. I think Silva would win due to length and just the different angles he can he can create, as well as the cardio. Anderson Silva's cardio is never in a question, right? And I don't think Anderson Silva's ever been rocked other than the Chris Weidman uh, super chin punch when Anderson was just lollygagging around. So I'm down for both fights, especially the Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva. You might as well do Nate versus Connor on that card. Pitch it. Throw all the money at the Diaz brothers, please. We got to have him back in the octagon. I know Nick is semi-retired, and he's basically partying every week in L.A., but we got to see the Stockton boys back in the octagon. Rest of the card was pretty uh, mediocre. There was an early stoppage uh, earlier in the or earlier on the card, and that's about it. It was really nothing to write home about, other than the co-main and the main event. The ESPN cards have been just super duper stacked, ladies and gentlemen. I, 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 I they they go all in on the ESPN cards, not not so much on the pay-per-view. Let's focus on this weekend's fights. Of course, Friday night we got Matt Mitrione fighting in a heavyweight in a heavyweight bout. I don't. I'm not really paying much attention to that Friday card. I know it's uh, it's the night before the big one, and I like these back-to-back uh, cards. That's pretty interesting. They 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 the UFC used to do that, uh, and they they still do it Fourth uh, of July weekend, International Fight Week rather, where they have uh, the tough finale and the main pay-per-view, and then sometimes they even get wild and do a Sunday card. But um, I'm I'm all for it. The more fights, the better. But let's focus on this Saturday's Bellator. Event we got Mirko Krokop and Roy Nelson in a throwback fight. I want both of these guys juiced to the gills, ladies and gentlemen. I want Mirko Krokop to come out here looking like Pride Mirko Krokop, yoked for absolutely no reason. And you know, Big Country is going to be Big Country. It's going to be an interesting fight. Big Country's got a chin on him. He's a, a step forward fighter. He's got great defense, amazing jujitsu, very underrated grappling. He could take Mirko Krokop down and submit him. And just for that alone, I will take Roy Nelson to beat Mirko Krokop. I don't know if Roy Nelson wants to stand with Mirko, especially if Mirko's coming in hot. I expect Roy Nelson to close the distance and take him down and get a nice submission. And you know what? He doesn't have to worry about the referee standing him up like this is IFL. He can go for a submission. Mirko Kokop's ground game is underrated, but, man, Roy Nelson's something else on the ground. Folks, the main event of the evening, the big British bout. I talked about this with Zach Green on Hooks and Hoops, episode number 33. And, of course, the YouTube clip is up on the channel MVP Michael Venom Page versus Paul Semtex Daily, the biggest bout in UK history, and it's happening in Connecticut. I don't know who made this happen. I believe it had to do something with the zone and the and the time frame, and no arenas were available in the UK. I, I love you, Scott Coker, but this should have been in the United Kingdom. It should have been all hell breaking loose in the UK. And it would have been a dope Saturday morning fight. That fight happens around one o'clock my time, four o'clock in the east. It would have been Perfect, a nice lead into uh, well, what All Star Weekend in the NBA. Nevertheless, Michael Venom Page, Paul Daly, two stand up guys, strikers all the way. 
MVP's talking all that hot mess. He says a lot of things, um, but he's a long fighter. Is he a can crusher a little bit? Absolutely. He hasn't fought top-tier competition yet in Bellator. Semtex is his biggest challenge to date. He is slightly favored according to the odds makers, and I'm going to pick... Michael Venom Page to win this fight. He's very elusive. He's the longer fighter. I believe he has a, a more variety of strikes, although Semtex, he's got rocket fuel in that left hook. If he touches you with that left hand, you are going night-night, uh, like somebody hits you with some NyQuil. You are just bending over backwards. Your knees are going to give out. And Semtex with the spinning back fist left hook, uh, he throws beautiful knees, beautiful kicks. I think he's going to focus more on the jab cross left hook action. He, 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 the way he bounces in and out is really good as well, but I expect Michael Venom Page to catch him with the timing and to, uh, this is not going to go the distance, ladies and gentlemen. I think these guys are going to stand in front of each other and somebody is going to go down. And in the end, I'm taking Michael Venom Page to win this fight by stoppage, but I would not be surprised if Semtex caught him with a gorgeous left hook to end the fight. And also, I, I believe MVP has the cardio advantage. And, you know, for some reason, I want to see MVP celebration. I know he's kind of a jerk when it comes to these. Uh, but I, I'm down for it. I want to see it, and uh, the winner should face Roy McDonald, although Semtex lost to Roy already. MVP versus Roy McDonald is the fight you have to make next in Bellator. That is my quick Bellator predictions. Let's focus on Sunday. UFC on ESPN. The first ESPN main card. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Cain Velazquez is back. He is back in action. Uh, his last fight was at UFC 200, folks. That was back in, what, 2016 or something? Unbelievable. Cain Velasquez is coming back after a two-plus-year hiatus, and he's fighting Francis Ninganu. Cain is the greatest heavyweight I've ever seen, man. When he was in his prime, that 8-0 Cain, he was unbelievable, man. He, the, he the, When he gets stubborn is when he loses, when he wants to stand with Junior Dos Santos, when he wants to have these wars on the feet with Fabricio Verdum. That's not his style, man. I mean, he can do it, but he's stubborn. I mean, that he, he exposes himself to get knocked out and to lose these fights. And that's what I'm worried with this fight about Francis Ngannou. If I knew Cain Velasquez was gonna, was gonna dapple on the feet a little bit, he's gonna do a little mix him up, mix him up, and then go for that takedown, and then ground and pound like he did to Antonio Bigfoot Silva, I would bet the house on Brown Pride, my guy Cain Velasquez. But there's that factor that Francis Ngannou is gonna is gonna keep this fight standing because Kane will choose to keep this fight standing in a way. Francis Ngannou hits like a Ford Escort. Okay, he 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 knocks people dead. He knocks people senseless. I know he lost to Stipe. I know he he lost a boring fight to Derek Lewis. But Francis Ngannou is one of the most dangerous heavyweights out there. It's going to be a heck of a fight. I'm putting the money on Cain Velasquez. And if I had a, a bet on it, I'd put Cain Velasquez by stoppage. I think that's a good return on the bet. And look, Cain takes him down. He's, he grounds him and pounds him. He's still got that C-level cardio. I got to go with Cain. Other fights on this card, we got James Vick versus Paul Felder. Should be a great fight. I'll take James Vick in that fight. I think he's just a little more skilled in that, in that matchup. Courtney Casey versus Cynthia Calvillo. Interesting strawweight fight. I'm glad the, there's a women's strawweight fight. We got to make a contender for Valentina Shevchenko. I'll take Cynthia Cavallo in that fight. Go to decision. And, of course, we got Bruce Leroy versus Cron Gracie. There's a lot of hype around Cron Gracie. Zach was talking about Cron Gracie. This guy's, a, this guy's an animal. He trains at Gil Melendez up north at the El Nino Training Center. He's undefeated. He's taking on Bruce Leroy. Good fight. I'll take Cron Gracie by submission. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, those are my picks. Let me know in the comments 
what you think is going to happen this weekend with the Bellator fights and the UFC fights. I want to thank PT, the primetime capper, for stopping by, giving us a boxing breakdown and some, some fun parlay bets to partake in this upcoming weekend. And as well, some NBA, some college basketball, some March Madness stuff that will be dropping later next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Hooks and Hoops podcast. We're dropping hooks and we're dropping hoops. Once again, my name is Alex Fernandez. Make sure to follow at Hooks and Hoops on every social media platform. Make sure to listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And let's have a great, fun-filled weekend. Happy Presence Day to everyone around the country celebrating it. If you have to work Monday, make sure you listen to this podcast on your commute. Till then, take care.